0: Episode 169 of G.I. Joeberg. my name is Steve, I'm your faithful host, and this evening I'm joined by...
1: Paul! And Cujo, who is still residing on the West Coast.
0: In addition, we have a mystery guest, Mr. JD JD1Z from General Geekery. Hello, JD. <laughs> Hello! How's it going? Ah, all good, dude. We last chatted a year and a week ago, and man, has the world changed. It's ironic that we well, spoke about the Eco Warriors because uh, the hazmat suit is more appropriate now than it ever was. <laughs> How are you doing?
2: God forbid you go shopping without a mask on now, although I kind of wish I had a cool one like the Eco Warriors had. Although I do see uh, pictures of people wearing like garbage bags over their clothes, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe they should spring for an actual hazmat suit. I mean, shit's bad, but come on, it's not that bad. Not yet. Guys, I was
0: reminded of a story that i actually lived through uh at the beginning of the year when i was leaving china uh there were people in the departures lounge and i shit you not instead of like designated masks designed for that purpose they just used the complimentary eye masks that the airlines give you (laughs) (laughs) try to pull that over their mouth and nose i mean that's getting kind of desperate
2: Okay. Well I mean I guess that's better than the than the bandanas that I saw people wearing yesterday, so it like I went to Sam's club and there was a guy who literally had a bandana wrapped around his face like a bank robber. Um yeah. but two months ago if you'd walked into a
0: store with that wrapped around your face, you would have been escorted off the property by security.
2: Nowadays Exactly. They would have called the cops and now now people are looking at you like you've got the plague or something when you don't have a mask on. It's weird.
0: What is kind of fun is seeing you and Brian's unmasked faces these days. You've suddenly changed your uh, approach with general geekery. You've now taken to YouTube.
2: Yeah, we, we decided to upgrade. Since Brian already had the channel to promote his customs, um, he figured that instead of just doing an audio podcast we'll just do it on video and he'd put it up on the channel for his customs and I agreed to it cuz I'm like well at least we know that people will actually you know view it then so Always
0: great to have new show content on the tube what are you guys doing these days
2: well we just did a big conversation where we picked out our two favorite figures our least favorite figure and our hidden gem uh, selections for each year of the Real American Hero line.
0: Ah, oh, that's kind of content
2: I can never get enough of, man. Nice. Yeah, exactly. It was it was enjoyable. It went on for longer than we had planned to, because we were having fun talking,
3: so... Outstanding. Yeah, that's the beauty of it. When you have fun with it, it's great. I love that. I love that kind of... Th-
2: Paul
0: stepping uh, to the
3: mic. Oh, How sorry. you doing,
0: Paulie? No, no, no. Talk to me, man. How are you doing?
3: Uh... I'm good, man. I'm good. Uh, I've been very well, I'm very grateful. I've been quite busy, which has been cool. Uh, I've had a lot of fun this side. Um, my lady and I have been shooting our our uh, sort of contribution for the the GI Joe Book channel, which is pretty cool, so I'm hoping to maybe get that out sometime tomorrow because uh, we did do one, but I didn't like it because it was going on forever, and so we wanted to make it a a little bit more concise. Uh, hmm, what else has been going on? Shopping has been fun in South Africa. Um, I had to stand in a queue for the first time the other day. Uh, this long queue, and then they they've got like tape that separates us all like by two meters or a meter and a half uh, before you go into your store, and then you get hosed down with the sanitizer. I mean, it's good. It's very good practice. I'm just saying, it's the first time I've had to do it. Um, yeah. Otherwise, no. Things have been been groovy. They've been cool. I mean, <laughs> not not a hell of a lot is happening except for cool stuff at work, and yeah, and trying to trying to make content in between all of that. You know. So. Wow, the mandatory sanitizer thing—I can't even picture that because they definitely
2: don't do that here. I watched The Shawshank Redemption the other night. Is it like that? You kind of get
3: hosed down and then like this sort of white powder tossed at you? Oh, that would be—that <laughs> would be like incredibly dramatic and uh, possibly fun the first two or three times. But uh, no, it's nothing like that. You get sprayed. Uh, you have to hold up your hands, and then they spray some hand sanitizer on your hands, and then you quickly wipe your hands down you know like make sure that you are sanitized so to speak some of that sanitizer has a suspicious window lean uh, fragrance to it and i know the smell of window lean because i use it to to clean my airbrush every now and then so <laughs> not your windows uh
0: that would be not my windows or, yeah. for uh, other listeners from other parts yeah. of the other world yeah it's
3: it's yeah, it's totally Windex that they spraying us with. I don't know. Um, I
0: find window lean more effective, but hey, that's just me and my national pride speaking. Of course I'm stuck in Australia. But Kujo, how are you doing, my brother?
1: Hmm. Well, I think uh still being kinda out in the uh field quite a bit. I don't know, guys. I mean this is this is a podcast for chatting up what we got in common. I don't know that all of us have the narrative, uh the worldwide narrative. We're all on the same page. Um and I think I think as we discuss things, I can kind of knock them out in order, because there's a lot of community stacked up on us. But talking the Podbean comment section, I think Tetsuo's Wrath, which I always appreciate you, brother. Thank you for getting in there. He <laughs> said something about, like, uh, you know, are we going to break Disney? Or I assume he means, like, mainstream narrative. I think you know anytime G.I. Joberg meets, there's there's tons of different views in the room, so... And then not everybody's going to turn up at once. I think what's going on in Southern California, there's a lot of homeless people. There's a lot of people that don't trust the media. Until the public sees, you know, people that are sick or whatever, I think that everybody will be kind of in a state of wait and see as far as what the true intention of the narrative may be. Um, and I think that's all I want to say about that. But just just to wrap up that question about Tetsuo's wrath, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll get lab when we want to, when we need to, but we're definitely not going to say everything all the time. It, it, would anybody like to add anything to that? Because I know he calls out you, Paul. Do you know what that's about? Calling me out for what? Actually, we don't need to get into it. It's too early. It's probably tangential, but yeah, I, I just didn't want to speak for everybody on the matter.
3: Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I... I must be honest, I'm not that familiar with our Podbean comments. Uh, If anything, I can barely manage our YouTube comments and the occasional Facebook check-in, which i got to say has been pretty cool. Uh, Jim Godfrey has been busy with lots of cool custom stuff, uh, which has been flooding our our Facebook page, as has uh, Bart Simon with his very cool uh, He-Man and Lino uh, that he did, and uh, Battle Cat, which was actually a really creative use of the the core saber tiger. so yeah, that was great that, that that definitely inspired me when I saw that I was like, oh wow, that's like that's a really good use for that toy you know if you don't want to use it as a saber-tooth tiger or saber cat or whatever it is.
1: I definitely concur <laughs> people are uh, putting out some cool stuff right now. The reason why I just uh, came out with that is just I think JD and uh, it's good to have you in the uh, the room brother from the East Coast. Um, Thanks, man. Nice like
2: talking to
1: you, again. Yeah, same. Um, no, I think it's because we're all kind of like, oh, there's people with masks on, there's people with no masks on. You know, I, I worked in the healthcare industry. You know, I know about moisture and temperature. So, I mean, there's a lot of things that don't really, I don't know, add up for me. But I think we're here to talk about heads and butts, too. So.
3: <laughs>
1: ah, Segway! Heads and butts.
0: It's a quick-fire question. JD, because this is episode 169 and dialing the clocks back 100 episodes, we did an episode uh, 69 where we discussed our favorite heads and crotches in the G.I. Joe uh, toy line. Can you, can you Do divine your very favorite head sculpt and crotch piece? They don't have to be from the same figure.
2: Um, okay, um, favorite. You're talking vintage, real American hero sculpts, right,
0: buddy? If you wanted to throw some fucking Marvel universe at me, I I wouldn't say no.
1: Sacra.
2: Um, <laughs> uh, well, I was asking because uh, you know the the uh, that repaint line that they did back in what 2004 2005. Oh yes. You know, they had a lot of new head sculpts in there. Some of them you could definitely accuse of being underscaled. Uh, like, they're they're a little too small for the bodies. Um, Stalker and Scarlet both had that problem. Um, uh, Steeler definitely had that problem. And so a lot of times when the club would reuse those parts later, uh, you know, they had the same problems. It's like the heads are just, they're too small. But one of the ones that I really liked was the hawk. Uh, the general hawk head that they did, you know, so he had the blonde flat top. Uh, He had that determined look in his eyes. I kind of wish they'd reuse that sculpt again later, because I think it was scaled okay to the body. But, um, I mean, if we go all the way back to the vintage line, as plain as the earliest heads in the line tended to be, I always really liked the head sculpt that they used for, Breaker, Rock and Roll, and Clutch. Um, oh, wow, it's very classic Joe Adventure Team type type fare, but I, I, yeah, I always appreciated that.
0: Would you go as far as to say which hair color you prefer?
2: I'm biased because Rock and Roll was my fa- <laughs> was my first Joe, so nice. I'm gonna have to go with the blonde. But see, I always liked the bearded look. Uh, because of that, I always like the bearded look for Clutch more, and so. You know, in the comics, a lot of the times he'd just be drawn with the with the five o'clock shadow or the stubble. But yeah, yeah it was kind of like that. Um, and a lot of the times in the comic, Breaker was clean shaven. It was oh yeah, he was always baby faced in the comic. Yeah. as far as I can tell, it was it, it was the the bubble gum that gave him the characterization in the mm. books. Um, but I like that they maintain the beard on the cartoon. In fact, there's even uh, in the Revenge of Cobra. When Clutch looks into one of those energy mirrors and he said, "I need a shave," Um but yeah, I yeah, I like the early, uh I like those early head sculpts. Not so much the the flashing grand grand slam one, but you know, it was okay first <laughs> time. I mean, at least as plain as the Scarlet Head was, at least you could say it fit the rest of the body. But there's a lot of good head sculpts in that vintage line uh the 1993 leatherneck i just used it on another custom
0: and quick fire
1: brother quick uh, fire uh,
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well you know with jd uh you know he'll always offer you a lot of information <laughs> you know yeah. that wrong with that. the guy's got a lot to talk about i mean we caught him off guard and and he's giving us a very detailed answer i'm like i'm riveted i'm like whoa
2: uh, oh and uh, who doesn't love serpentor with the cowl on his head uh, mm. I love that character, and I love that helmet, so. All right, I'll shut up now. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, you I gotta give us a, a crotch. crotch. Oh, uh, favorite crotches. Um, uh, I like mainframes with the with the Marine Corps symbol on the belt buckle. Tasty. And I think one of the Sergeant Slaughter's had a belt buckle that said USA, and
3: <laughs> that's classic, so. <laughs> That's you dead. know, I was speaking to Sarana the other day, and she was saying she also really loves mainframe's crotch. Uh, nice!
2: Well, we know, <laughs> Virana, Damn, <dude>. we know <laughs> that Sarana loves it, so... Sniper.
3: <laughs> yeah, sorry, I couldn't help it. It is that episode.
0: Any reflections on your heads and crotches there, Paul? Can you recall...
3: I I can recall, um, I can quite vividly recall because I actually took some time to listen to the episode today. Oh, uh, just too painful man. I know
0: it is put yourself through. Yeah, it, it was
3: a, it. Yeah, well, it's actually a great episode to be honest. I I actually had quite a lot of fun. I agree. And Celia was listening to uh, to it as well, and she was like, yes, she was giggling. She thought it was like, she thinks we're quite funny. So <laughs> I don't know what that says about her or about us, but either way, we
0: were particularly puerile in that session, if I recall correctly
3: yeah no god we were like extremely juvenile i mean god (laughs) and you know what the like the the random thing is it was like steven would ask a question or rob would ask a question or cujo would say something and then while i'm sitting there in the room and i'm listening to this podcast i have like these responses and then i responded the same in the episode it was cool i was like yes Mm. i am not a doppelganger i have not been my i i have not lost my 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 horrible charm um, so that was quite funny because even Celia looked at me and she's like, oh my God, you're still a child kind of thing. And it was cool. It was a good feeling. But uh, to come back to the question, uh, yeah, I still very much love the Iron Grenadiers uh, head sculpt. I think it is a fantastic sculpt. To take what Kujo had to say about it uh, with regards to the paint application and to go with what Stephen had originally said, uh, the paint application is very basic and I do think that it would benefit from a wash Would I ever do that to my vintage figure? No. But uh, dear listener, if you take the time to look at your Iron Grenadier's head sculpt in detail, you'll see that there's quite a lot of magic happening there. And uh, that's why it's still on the top of my list. Um, Although I got to say, it was nearly knocked off this podium by the Snow Serpent. I have recently acquired a a vintage Snow Serpent. Thanks, Steve. And um, wow. Well, not thanks to Steve. Steve gave me... A vintage uh, uh uh the the driver sorry this is actually no actually steve you did uh, supply me with my snow trooper my snow serpent yeah thanks steve sorry i have just <laughs> getting welcome because i've got a gu- <laughs> asshole <laughs> <laughs> no man it's just that like so you gave me both memorable the, 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 i've got both the snow serpent and the um ice viper and so like my brain just switched a little bit there but this is also Courtesy a of- really well, Steven.
0: <laughs> hey! Wow, what a guy. And, what a generous uh, guy.
3: Yeah, he's such a, he's such a badass, i got to say. We really should get him on the... Oh, he's already here. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's a tasty head sculpt. And I also do recommend people go and check it out if you haven't given it uh, some closer scrutiny. And uh, I did have a good look at all of the crotch sculpts in my vintage line. And there have been a few that have nearly knocked... Uh, Dr. Mindbender off his podium Uh, but I still dig it I still think it's a great uh, crotch sculpt I still think it's very uh, villainesque it's very creepy uh, for a crotch (laughs) but it's got all these cool buttons and everything and well what I think could be like touch sensitive buttons to to have different functions and uh, yeah, I'm still down with old Mindbender's crotch. I think it's great. <laughs> Good old Chief and Ben from Talking Joe,
0: sort of the original hosts. Uh, they love Mindbender's codpiece. In fact, they love codpieces in general, but Mindbender's is particularly bodacious,
3: man. It is bodacious, man.
0: Yeah. Uh, what was saying? Ostentatious. That's a better word. Just bombastic, really in-your-face kind of crotch. <laughs> Speaking of, Gujo, you still loving that plantain?
1: Hmm. It's painful, isn't it? There's like <laughs> nearly a hundred conversations ago. Um, I'm still enjoying <laughs> your uh, Talking Joe run, by the way. Cheers, guys. Um,
2: yeah,
1: good stuff
0: see. Uh, Thanks, guys. I don't know. <laughs> I-, I still feel like I'm filling in, like I'm a placeholder waiting for someone else to come along,
2: but... Hopefully, I'm holding it down.
3: Well, uh, it sounds I, 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 I
2: started listening, but I'm enjoying it. So,
0: Thanks, Jay. But we were on the topic of uh, Python Patrol Copperhead's Crutch.
1: <laughs>
3: oh, the yellow diaper.
0: Good God.
1: <laughs> Honestly, my picks did not age that well. Um, I'm going to let the nullifier go. That was just pure nonsense. <laughs> I don't know if I have a head sculpt in mind. I will say that recently I've been looking at the doc figure a little bit. And as much as he's kind of, I don't know, he's not in anybody's face. I, I, I seem to always remember him having a place in my, my early play patterns. So he was always there. He's not front line, but he always said something smart to say. I, I like that head sculpt. I think the colors work well. Mm. And just because Rob is gone, I think I have to touch Cobra Commander's butt. <laughs> <laughs> now, A-R-B. Cobra Commander's original design, oh man, it's it's really carried the line, really. I think I'll talk more about that when we talk card art, but Cobra Commander's butt's nice. Uh, Steven, you commented on the regal stripe. That's still one of the nice touches in the line, and of course you got the belt buckle. Enough said. <laughs> I I got a,
3: a comment on Doc on Doc's uh, head sculpt. I think it is one of the the most uh, sort of enigmatic head sculpts in a weird way. It just has so much so much character. He's just got such a swagger. That toy, a lot of that. The the magic in that that toy comes from that face sculpt. It's like it's an otherwise plain figurine, but it's just got such magic. It's got such swagger. Uh, I love that Doc figure. And it's actually why I went on quite the quest uh, to get a replacement arm for him when I was at Jokon. Because I had snapped his his one hand um, while trying to shoot a review for him. And uh, yeah, I was I was quite distraught because I really loved that toy, and and it's like I never thought I would until I had it, and and that face sculpt is like a hundred percent of the reason why I love that toy so much. It's just got such swagger. Like, well, it seems like great.
1: he has a conversation with essentially your quote unquote hero every play pattern because your guy's are gonna mm. get banged up, you know.
3: Mm. Uh, and uh, I just wanted to say sorry, JD. Uh, coming back to like Serpentor, I've recently got my hands on Serpentor. Uh, on a vintage one, and yeah, man, that that head sculpt is great. I love it. I know that everybody has like such issues with Serpentor, but it's such a cool head sculpt actually, and it's quite brave, you know. But it definitely, it definitely needs the back piece. Sorry. Yeah. Did you did you not have one before? Have you never owned one? Is it? I've new never you, owned a vintage. Yeah.
2: Wow. Um, yeah. Wow. I remember when I when I was a kid and I got Serpentor. I want to say, I think it was just before he showed up on the cartoon, but I was already drawn to him. That head sculpt had a lot to do with it. I'm I'm kind of envious because now you've got one for the first time, and I kind of wish I could make a discovery like that. Um, yeah, now, I can relate to that. That big, <laughs> big work of art. And I have no issues with Serpentor. I love that character. I absolutely love him. So
1: What, yeah, what kind of firearm are you putting in his hands, J.D.?
2: Oh, for Serpentor, he's a, yeah, I gave him a staff, what, so he could beat his subjects with, and uh, I gave him Cobra Commander's original hairdryer because, well, he stole it, so uh, he conquered and took, so.
1: Uh-huh. Uh,
2: that
3: actually makes a lot of sense.
2: Yeah, he routinely kicked Cobra Commander's ass when I was a kid, so uh, he deserved absolutely nothing less, so, <laughs> yeah, so, man, that's so cool you got one for the first time. So, you oh. like
3: it then. I love it, dude. It's so cool. It's something that I've wanted for a long, long time. I used to pour over that uh, image in the catalog uh, that I had. That I think it was the Terror on the Tundra catalog or one of those catalogs. And it had him with these air chariots. And I used to used to be fascinated with this, this being, this toy, this character. It's like, who is this guy? And then I finally saw the movie. And I was like, wow, now I really want one of these. Uh, which is why I actually went uh, to quite a length to get a a modern era one uh, because I was only focused on modern era for a long time. And uh, yeah. And then I had major trouble trying to actually get him as a vintage figure complete and everything. And then uh, uh, oh, good old Andrew Creech helped me out with that. Um, So yeah, I'm very thankful for that. And Gary Viola actually. So to be fair, I actually have two now, which is random, but uh, Ah, yeah, it's great. I got a broken
0: tooth on mine. (laughs) swap swap
3: okay we can yeah we can definitely yeah I, i'm actually very happy to hear that i can find a home for it i didn't want uh gary or uh andrew to feel that uh you know me having an extra serpentor was a waste because now yeah
0: i i only got my first serpentor last year as well my brother
3: oh cool yeah. okay so yeah so we'll make a plan serpentor there's a little box of stuff that's coming your way steven as soon as i can send stuff away um of things that you want like the rage and uh, stand for the TTP uh for the tactical battle platform and all kinds of little things so yeah so i'll just (laughs) add that to it in june (laughs) of 2022
0: (laughs) jd (laughs) yeah quick fire topic round two are you gonna be picking up any of the six inch joes
2: um i'm real keen on them um especially uh duke i really like what they did with that figure um me too i i really like that scarlet it's the first scarlet that i think right out of the gate uh i think they captured the character well she's not nearly as plain as the original but she's got a lot of the spirit that she uh there a lot of the the spitfire that she had in The cartoon that the original toy just never captured, not by a long shot. So yeah, I really dig it. The one that I really liked was Roadblock, uh, just until this morning when I saw pictures that somebody posted on Facebook of all of the figures in the wave and they did the, uh, they did the lineup shot with all five of them. And I am crushingly disappointed with roadblock he is he's big he's beefy like roadblock needs to be but he's no that figure is nowhere near as tall as Mm. it needs to be he should have that figure should have easily stood a full head taller than duke and snake eyes you know somebody somebody posted on the caption somebody uh for people worried about destro he is taller than the rest of the figures that's great but Mm. He's the same height as Roadblock, and I just... Yeah, I'm disappointed. He... Uh, he, he, You know, I guess part of it was because I, I have a cable figure from the Marvel Legends line that stands closer to seven inches uh, than mm-hmm. six. He absolutely towers over the rest of the Legends, and uh, I was really hoping that Roadblock was going to be the same way, and he's not. I mean, look, the sculpt is still great, but... It's just it's too short. I I feel like when I get it, I'm gonna have to do a custom job on it. Um, but yeah, I would like to own them. They are cool looking. I mean, there's a few characters I'm waiting for, like Lady J and Serpentor. But <laughs> um, yeah, Serpentor's not gonna happen in that line. <laughs> but yeah, you know what? Honestly, if the line was viable and had a good future with it, then we could count on a lot of characters coming out. Uh, I wouldn't be worried about it, but. I think it's a neat idea, and I think it will appeal to the Marvel Legends collectors and the Star Wars Black Series collectors, but there's going to be a lot of traditional Joe collectors that are going to steer clear of it. I mean, my co-host Brian, he's one of them. Yeah, he's got a lot of six-inch Iron Man figures, but, you know, that's because he collects everything Iron Man. But when he goes out, like, he doesn't doesn't really do the six-inch line, and so for him, uh, six-inch Joe line just doesn't have any appeal. So in your estimation, this is a
0: one-and-done kind of line?
2: No, I think they're going to end up getting a second wave out, and I have a feeling that... Movie toys. Well, I figure even as the second wave comes out and it gets wide distribution, it's kind of going to be one of those things. We see it countless times with the Joe line, with the cartoons, with the toy line. It always happens where they launch this big new thing, and it makes a big spark at the beginning, and then they just let it fizzle out. Look at G.I. Joe Resolute. Look at G.I. Joe mm-hmm. Renegade, um, both of which got their own short-lived toy lines within the main toy line, and both of which only had a series, or a series and a half, and that was it. And I'm afraid that's what's going to happen here, too. Like I said, I think we'll get a second series, and I'm pretty, pretty sure we'll get the Baroness, we'll get Cobra Commander, and maybe we'll get Flint, but... I don't know. I I don't know what the long-term viability of it is. I'd like to see it keep going, but, you know.
0: Okay, wise guy, the G.I. Joe Retro Collection. Do you speculate that these are O-ring figures or a rehash of the
2: 25th anniversary style? Okay, well, I'm certainly hoping that they're O-ring figures, because, (laughs) well, I've seen the naysayers, and, oh, you destroyed all the molds. Yeah, they did, but in the Rise of Cobra line, there was a there was a a vintage throwback set with the uh, the modern snow job and the vintage snow job with the with the what was it the rock slide yeah. uh, and a of battle bear yeah so i mean they recast the snow job from the the head all the way down to the feet was recast and i know cuz i looked when i saw it in the store to see if he had used the 1997 mold because 97 Snow Job mold used the upper arms uh, with the rolled up sleeves from one of the other earlier figures and this one didn't the rise of cobra figure had the pockets on the upper sleeves just like the original snow job did so i mean there's no reason to think if this retro collection is overing there's no reason to think they're not brand new molds based on the originals but i mean for a retro collection it's it, the 25th line isn't gone far enough to be considered retro. I mean, that's it'd be kind of goofy. Well, and especially because they're doing those G1 Transformers for Walmart, so wouldn't it make more sense if these were G1 Joes? Yep, I, d- I don't think we're far enough out from the 25th line, despite the fact that the 25th line now is what 13 years old or something. Um, no. <laughs> Is it? My God, yes it is. Holy shit. <laughs>
3: it's crazy, hey? Um,
2: yep. But, yeah, I don't think we're far enough removed from that to be able to call the, it retro at all. And that figure style, those early 25th figures do not hold up. I know when the 25th line was launched, I was all in balls to the wall. I was so excited because they looked as cool as the vintage Joes did when I was a, a little kid, but Within, like, two years, those molds were aging badly.
0: Mm. Well, here's to hoping that uh, the retro collection is all we've dreamed it could be. That it's that kind of experience being sold to us again, of walking into a toy aisle and seeing the original card arts, the blister, the plastic figure rattling around inside, the accessories, the card backs, the file cards, and what An important part of that recipe was the card art. Uh, We record this in the wake of... And it's been a week now, but uh, this is the first time we've gathered our forces together to do so. This is in the wake of Hector Garrido's passing. And I thought about having a topic where we discuss his finest works for the G.I. Joe line... But after having been very swiftly shot down when I listed one of my favorite works and then people saying to me, well, that wasn't actually a Goritos," all of a sudden I'm kind of sheepish. Because I'm like, who actually knows definitively which were his and which were Hasbro in-house?
2: Which one got you shot down? I'm just curious. Uh,
0: There was an artwork on a novelization that had, uh, I think it was a uh, Find Your Own Fate book.
2: I think those Hector Grito.
0: Well, this one uh, might not be because it it was something else. I don't know. I I stumbled onto it on a search, and I fell in love with it, and I was like, this is incredible. It has raptor front and center, uh, croc master beneath him, Um, big boa. Yeah. It's like they're they're using their crocs and birds and fists to fight off a snake pit. Jinx is in the background.
2: That's similar to one of the puzzle images that they did uh way back in the day because you know they the puzzles they would make those they were like matte paintings basically mm. you know where you have the this big scenic battle scene and that was great and i think those were hector Garrito. i did see somebody post something uh, for hector Garrito and they actually threw in a bunch of vintage stuff but then there was also a bunch of 25th stuff in there
0: Ugh, yeah i saw that as well bad bad taste man
2: well he, well i I really do think that the post was made mostly out of ignorance because, mm. you know, if you look at a lot of merchandise now that uses retro – like there was a line of t-shirts and they used the retro Joe art. But those t-shirt makers had – they didn't have the knowledge to realize that that's the 25th anniversary mm. art.
0: The sort of paint overs with the slightly rejigged weapons and – yeah,
2: yeah. No, so, it's just yeah. – so basically I think it was, I think that post was just ignorance. It does, it's Garrido style, but that's because they were aping the greatness that Hector Garrido's art was.
1: Kooch, do you want to step to this topic, my man? Well, I'm sure Paul has some thoughts on it too, but uh, <laughs> I think, good, uh, I, go first, man. <laughs> I think when the thing that came to mind about Garrido's art, once again, I could step into the same trap that you did, Stephen. Is he responsible for the Cobra soldier?
2: Yes. He did all of the art uh, in the first couple years of the line. So, yes, the Cobra Soldier's art is absolutely his.
1: I think this is what I'll say about Hector Guido. He understood how to make people dangerous. Like, Cobra Soldier is the lowest man on the totem pole, but he could take out your top dude with those eyes, you know?
2: Yeah, I was going to say, you're going to talk about the crazy eyes, aren't you? Yeah, Uh, badass.
1: Well, dude, mm-hmm. as a kid, as a kid, that's, uh, that you remember that for a lifetime, I think. Yeah,
2: as a kid, there was a bunch of those vintage Joes that I absolutely love the card art, and then I'd look at the figure and not the same spirit <laughs> again, Charlotte, was a head sculpt, but her card art is amazing. Yeah, he definitely did the Cobra Soldier, and that mm-hmm. shit is classic.
0: The Eyes of Fanatic. It's uh, with some irony that we note that his later work was in sort of religious motifs.
1: Uh,
2: Huh? (laughs) Maybe that shouldn't make the cut. Oh, maybe that's that's I'm going to have to go check that out. I am fascinated now. I am absolutely intrigued by this.
1: The explosion behind the action figures is not too different from the explosion behind Mary and the Catholic Church. (laughs) I'm just I'm joking, Paul. Paul, what do you got? What do you got?
3: Yeah, you know, for the longest time, uh, Hector Grito was a mystery to me. You guys all know, like the first time you were exposed to a G.I. Joe toy on the shelves, you were hit by that artwork. Um, and in a lot of ways, that artwork did more for you purchasing the toy than sometimes the toy did. And some of those characters, you know, we fell in love with those characters on the card art before we even got to read the file cards. And so it always like used to trouble me, like especially like in the what early 2000s, when I just couldn't find out what the name of the GI Joe packaging artist was, like that really bugged me. Like that was something that, that insanely irritated me because here's this guy that is, that has done consistently great work on the on the packaging artwork, and he's kind of uncelebrated, and uh, I, I'm glad that we can talk about him now and and sort of yeah well and I'm glad that the Joe fandom has also been able to give him the sort of credit he deserves I could speak to that because when I looked at that
2: vintage toy art the the vehicles and everything um I really I was reflecting on it the other day because of his passing and I realized if I look all the way back to my early childhood I think he was the very first artist in the world that I could have called a favorite and I did not know what his name was until I was an adult but yeah I think that 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 imagery the dynamic paintings that he did i think that informed basically the appeal that art has always had to me if it's eye-catching and i can linger on it then it appeals to me and if something just turns me away right away then it's because he put that much magnetism
0: in his art (laughs)
3: it's
2: it's amazing. It's classic. His
0: artwork was the tip of the spear of the assault on the senses that the G.I. Joe toy line was to us.
2: Yeah, like, yes, like, it's the it's completely. the first
0: impression. I think we can all agree. Like his squash paintings, the vividness, the 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 character that he's captured in those moments, that was what keyed us in from the beginning. That's why like G.I. Joe is still our number one. It all started with his artwork. I think we all owe him a great debt for we our do. very hobby, for our the things that fire our passions at the at the very core, at the very heart of all that was his incredible work. So, Hector, yeah. Hectorito, he we all salute you, my man.
3: And that's why I I have so much like respect for the the 3D Joe's guys because they've gone out of their way to collect his artwork and and sort of make it available. For us to actually appreciate and enjoy you know without the the tear mark of the bubble you know <laughs> oh, yeah. and they've it really was... given him a lot of credits and and i really really love that because so many of these packaging artists are are so uncredited and so i uh, kind of abused by the industry you know uh by the, the the various industries that they worked for not even having their signatures on the card arts or or anywhere on the caught art really like that's really irritating, you know. Whereas like at least book uh, like book illustrators, like the guys who do the front covers and things like that, at least they get a, a, a an actual mention inside the book, you know.
2: I was gonna say back before three D Joe started their um, art archive, there's a website called Joe Battle Lines uh, run by Yeah, Fred I remember Meyer. that? Yeah. And well, him and Todd Wernzel they put together a database called Magnum Six Delta that would have mm-hmm. the full card art along with the file cards and they've had that database online for i don't know 13 years or something and i used to refer to that all the time when i was looking at the card art to relive that magic and now 3d joe's they took it one step further and they got all the vehicle stuff um i mean no magnum six delta did too but 3d joe's they've managed to preserve so much of the merchandise uh, art and, like, the puzzles and all that, all these one-off things that they did. Ah, gorgeous. I love it. I think Magnum Six Delta
0: was the first time I saw uh, the original Ron Rudat sketches. Well, they weren't sketches. They were actually completed artworks for the Sky Striker. Mm. I think that... I could be mistaken, but, like, just a, a basic plan view of the Sky Striker with some, like... Made-up stats alongside. Very, very tasty. Yeah.
3: I just heard that when Garrido passed, that he he passed in, in being in a situation where, you know, he, he was living off the benefits of the body of his work, you know. Uh, like like the guy who does the He-Man artwork. work, you know, he's, as far as I know, he's done quite well. And so I hope Garrido passed in that regard, uh, you know, passed well, you know, and that he was able to have a, a decent lifestyle as well. Sorry, this I know that sounds like it sounds like a bit of a downer, but I just feel like this guy is so his work has been so instrumental, even in my artwork and and to us as fans that I just hope well, he yeah. I say it's not a
2: downer because like somebody said earlier, a lot of the times packaging art, he is an unsung hero. He really he well and truly is. Like you said early on, you couldn't find the name of the of the artist. I really do. I hope, and I hope he understood even if he wasn't an active part of the online Joe community or anything. I mean, he died when he was like 90. So chances are he probably (laughs) wasn't. But I'd like to know, I'd like to believe that over the years, as our generation grew up and could pay tribute to people, I'd like to know that he knew the impact that his art had on us as a generation. Mm. I believe he did
0: uh, personally receive um, Kickley's book, his squash book of Joe Artworks after Garrido. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Kickley did communicate that much online that like he was made aware by uh, Hector's family that he had received the book. So at least that tribute reached him.
2: Oh, uh, that's good news. Excellent. Don't quote me on that, but uh, I, I'd like to believe that's true. Uh, I don't know what he died of. I don't think it's been disclosed, but I hope it was fi- peaceful, and I hope he's I hope he's okay now.
1: Hopefully, it was in front of an explosion. Um, let us <laughs> let us not forget <laughs> Hector Hector Ramirez. Never forget, wasn't it Hector Ramirez? Yeah. yeah. Twenty questions with Hector Ramirez. Mar- Hector Ramirez. Ramirez. <laughs> I did it. We got two C's left, guys. We have cartoons and community. What's first?
0: J.D. has an axe to grind. He has been watching G.I. Joe cartoons, particularly G.I. Joe miniseries, and has some fresh light to add on the Pyramid of Darkness.
2: Famously, G.I. Joe Berg's lowest-rated
0: miniseries.
2: Well, you know, since Hasbro went and they put the first three miniseries up on the YouTube, Uh, on their YouTube channel. Hey, I didn't know Ezra had a YouTube channel, so they put those up. Um, uh, You know, they put on uh, the the Mass Device, they put on the Revenge of Cobra, they put on the Pyramid of Darkness, and last week I decided, well, I haven't seen the Pyramid of Darkness in, well, 500 years or something. Um, So I decided, you know what, I'm just going to watch this, because, you know, over the years I watched the Mass Device numerous times, and I watched the Revenge of Cobra, you know, maybe, maybe not so many times. Well, cause I had a DVD set of mass device and I think the Revenge of Cobra, but I never had the DVD set with uh, The pyramid of darkness in it. So I've seen it less. And as soon as it started, I realized, wow, my memories on that episode were so foggy. There was all kinds of stuff showing up on the screen that I didn't remember. And I watched the whole mini series all the way through, whole new appreciation for it. Mm. It's so much more involved and elaborate than it could have been. Um <laughs> it
0: on MacGuffins on MacGuffins.
2: Yes. Mm. I mean they're 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 again, they're you know, like Revenge of Cobra and, you know, they're and Mastodon, they're all over the globe looking for these things, but in this case it was a plan that was already set up and they did this thing where, you know, they launch it, or they, they, they started it with that with that space shuttle that, you know, Cobra's trying to steal with these elaborate. Well, when the vehicle started shooting the strings off into the sky, it took me a second to realize what they were doing. And, oh, they're making a net. But <laughs> when that fell, it turns out that it was a diversion because they're using one of their giant uh, claw arm machines to pop a container into the back of uh, or into the cargo area of that shuttle and then you find out later that the zartan the dreadnoughts and the ferret atvs uh in those crates and Aren't you i'm forgetting like, something I, uh, <laughs> and the fatal fluffies and, well, <laughs> it, i was gonna say and the fatal fluffies which is funny because those things i did remember the furry you know the little cute furry versions and i did remember you know, the big uh, D&D evolved versions. But honestly, the whole time I'm watching this and recognizing certain parts of it, I can't decide if I remembered it from watching it previous long life or if I'm remembering so much of this stuff because of memes and customs that have been done over the years. I can absolutely say distinctly, one of the things that I did have in mind, my memory... Whenever I think of gung-ho, I always think of the line from the cartoon where he says, Cobra Commander, over the view screen, stick your head in a bucket and rust your face off. I do not think that I could have told you what episode it was from before this, but I always remembered that line. But everything else that I have memory of, (laughs) I'm like, yeah, I think it was memes. So um, I just, yeah, oh, no appreciation for it. There's nuance in that writing that tells me, you know what, the the vast majority of cartoons that we grew up watching, uh, even if they had half of the effort put into them that G.I. Joe did, uh, I would be amazed. But I'm watching this Pyramid of Darkness, and I'm like, there's layers and layers and layers of writing in here. There's references to stuff, you know, the whole thing plays out like a big D&D campaign, and I love that. Um, I mean, (laughs) it's It's over the tie. It's nuts. I mean, uh, and I'm going to say that it did something for me, and I didn't think it was possible. Uh, it made me reconsider Shipwreck as a character, and I hate him so much less than I used to. <laughs> uh, he used to annoy me, but I'm like, wow, he's kind of a genius all the way through this thing. And Satin, for just being a one-off character that was like a pop star that helped the Joes out, it actually kind of made me wish that if it did not fly in the face of the continuity, I actually kind of wish that CoverGirl had not shown up in the cartoon before that so we could have retconned that Satin was a singer who later joined the Joes because she got help from Shipwreck and uh, Snake Eyes and that she came in later as Cover Girl. I like that backstory that I've now invented in my head so much more than the former supermodel that just decided to join the tank court and the army. That's just that whole thing. It just always seems so outlandish to me because anybody who works in the fashion industry, they don't have any interest in the military. But yeah, I kind of like the idea that this this glam singer could have gone on to join the Joes eventually. All right. Again, it's fan fiction in my head, but it worked for me. I don't know. I just had a whole new appreciation for it. There's there's backstory that's put out that says, you know, when the Crimson Twins, Tomax and Zamat, they say to Cobra Commander, you know, he tells them, he tries to put them in their place, and he's like, we've been funding this whole operation since the beginning. Uh, and so, you know, he kowtows real quick, and he apologizes, and, you know, acts more like a lackey. And so an episode later, when there's a coup d'etat, and the the Twins and the Crimson Guard decide that they're going to run Cobra and they give him a back seat. I actually got to thinking when they said we've been funding this operation, I thought, was that kind of like a dual layered thing where obviously on the surface they're talking about the whole pyramids idea? They've been funding all of that. But I'm like, does that mean they've actually extensive enterprises has been funding Cobra since the beginning are the Crimson Guard actually executive, uh, or uh, are they actually extensive enterprise uh, employees? Because I know that Larry Hama used the co- the Crimson Guard in a completely different way in the comic. In a yeah, way, their ultimate kind of...
0: loyalty in the comic was to Cobra Commander. Whereas yeah. in the cartoon, it seems like their ultimate loyalty might be to the, the Crimson, co- Crimson Twins. Twins. Yeah and, and, you're right. I mean, they definitely have some financial clouts. Uh, my favorite part of Primitive Darkness has always been the idea of Enterprise City, this glistening jewel of a metropolis, yeah, but yeah, actually it, it's a front for, A, extensive enterprises right in the middle, there's sort of two towers, one of, one of which is a rocket, a space rocket, um, and the fact that yeah, underneath is Cobra's sort of machine, It's uh, their workforce,
2: their... All their machines of death are
1: located
0: that down there for their schemes. So
2: cool! I'm watching this, and you know they've got this underground subway for mm. all of the Cobra employees, and it's a an level An aquatic entranceway. I mean, uh, yes. that's and, awesome. and and those robots, those giant uh, robots, they come those, out to of be the ocean. <laughs> they they rescue Cobra Commander and uh, the twins, and they take them underwater. You know, once they get to the bottom of the ocean, the Joes and the Sharks come out, and they're attacking. And the robots drop their face shields, and there's this, uh, it's like a giant suction device inside of them. So all of the Joe forces, uh, they all get dragged into these robots, and they have to fight inside the heads. And I'm just watching this. I'm like, this is mind-blowing. There was so much thought put in to the plots and the script on the uh, in those episodes, and I don't mean to say more thought or plots than the other miniseries. I'm what I'm like. These are ever. This is every bit as engaging as the first two miniseries are, and it is always overlooked as being inferior. And I just I don't get it. I don't understand why Whole new appreciation for it. It's just it's absolutely staggering. Look, it did give us the Fatal Fluffies. Um, well, and see, those are funny because when that whistle's blown then they do transform into those, I don't know, I, 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 like I said, they're, 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 they're monsters straight out. Of the Work.
0: <laughs> okay, and it did give us Snake Eyes Breakdancing, the kick line. And while those are fun, light-hearted elements, I'm trying to dial my mind back and think, if I was eight years old and I was watching this for the first time, would I love that? Would I think it was stupid? Would I just ignore it? I mean, I I think even as an eight-year-old, I would have been like, yeah, I don't like Mm -hmm. seeing Shipwreck and Snake Eyes dressed up as, like, Boy George and Kenny G, or, I don't know. I don't know. Who who is Shipwreck? Not, yeah, who is Shipwreck a Channel in that appearance? Sort of some kind of punk saxophonist. Record. Oh, I was
2: gonna say I don't know if there was a real uh, if there was a real world counterpart that he was imitating. I don't have any idea. But Look, Snake Eyes is I,
0: definitely doing a Boy George impersonation. Well, definitely. yeah.
2: Well, to be fair, Satin does explain that those are the only other clothes she's got in the wardrobe, so they have to wear them. Snake Eyes, you have the dress. <laughs> 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 it's you in on their like but their it's social funny antics because even. Timber and Polly come out dressed up as part of the musical troupe. It's funny. Mm-hmm. I don't think that, I don't think, you know what? I don't think the Fatal Fluffies, I don't really think they're, they're, they're much lower on the scale of uh interesting than, uh than anything else that was in those. I mean, it's not like the other miniseries. I mean, they're basically, I mean, I'd say, what do you think they're, all right. Yeah, are they stupid? Are they ridiculous? Yes, but that's not a bad thing. I just, as I say, I think like I would be far more critical of the
0: Permanent Darkness uh, as a child than the previous uh, miniseries. I think by this stage they were just being zany and off the wall, and and I was like, but, no, it doesn't have to be. You did so you want... well with these sort of the tried and true. Uh, system of of you know having something that both teams are trying to get throughout the world and this race against time the kind of the ticking clock. But this is the
2: same thing. The only difference is the 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 cubes are being constructed as they go and they are still chasing them all over the world and in this case in space because they're trying to stop Cobra from activating these things in the first place. Where in the mass device. It's the same thing. They're chasing to they get those elements to make the ve- the mass device work. But in the second mainly series, that Weather Dominator is already made. It's already completed. I would argue
0: that uh, Cobra's Cobra's real like master stroke was taking uh, Space Station Delta. I mean, they had like effectively the hand of God right there. I mean, they had the GI Joe weapon that could zap any position on the planet. Uh, And they use it immediately to to waste G.I. Joe's base, which gets rebuilt in record time. Anyways, let's not <laughs> fudge the details here.
1: Let me step to a little bit of that noise, Stephen, unless you were about to drop some genius.
0: Always, brother. You know me. <laughs> 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 Mr. Modesty. Carry on, Cooch. I've hogged the mic enough.
1: No, I think, uh, I mean, I did watch one episode of the Pyramid of Darkness with my lady this week, and we were both kind of just like, hmm, eh, hmm. Eh. <laughs> But I, I think what, when I've talked to the people involved in the cartoon and stuff like that, of course the tropes are, are, are spun, you know, but the language isn't like the pyramid of darkness. Well, Cobra commander's belt buckle, you know, it's, it's a scaling thing. So I mean, like th- there's these resonant notes, the Cobra twins. Yeah. We all got bills, you know, that we were learning about debt back in the day. So I mean, like it's, that's what G.I. Joe. That's the secret is it's like they scaled our whole world really small and and that's why like that's why we're all like what the hell cuz now we're like looking at it we're like what the hell it was well,
2: there Hang on. uh do you guys mind if i bring a, a guest star in real quick just to offer a little bit of thought on this because my daughter mm-hmm. watched these with me here just get on there okay oh, uh so me an if they can carry can you hear me?
0: We can yeah, hear you just I fine. Can, yeah. My name's Steven. What's your name?
2: My name is Zarella. Zarella? Yeah. Cool
0: name. Damn. That's the coolest hey. name.
2: So me and my dad we were watching the old GI Joes and like I like them a lot. They're they're definitely a lot better than a lot of the other old shows that I've seen. And all of the characters really likable <laughs> and stuff.
0: Have you got a favorite?
2: Uh, not yet, because I only watched a few episodes.
0: No problem. Awesome. Okay. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you for
2: that. Uh huh. Oh, that is. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, she, uh, sorry, I think she got nervous. Um, no worries. Yeah, man. she was talking about. Uh, She was talking about the appreciation that she had for the women on the Joe team. They are not treated, um, well.
3: As second-class citizens.
2: Mm. What'd you say? They're not Princess Allura? Yeah. Yeah, they said they're treated much better than Princess Allura on the Voltron cartoon was. He said Mm. they they stand toe-to-toe with the boys and they do their shit. And just like the boys do, if they fumble, so do the boys.
0: Well, Mm. they do make a point of it. Uh, Doesn't uh, good old Admiral Ledger on the
2: flag, he's like, uh, this that's a woman. We don't like women on our our boat. Yeah, he's grousing about Lady J being there and and the battleship being no place for a woman. And Flint puts him in his place, Lady J puts him in his place, and he shuts the hell
3: I love that Lady J puts him in his place first.
2: <laughs> like she was appreciating this because she has watched the old, into the universe with me. She has watched the old Voltron with. me. She's even watched the Transformers with me. You know, there's other series she's watched, and yeah, the the female characters, when there were any, I mean, R.C. was the only female Transformer with a presence for years. Um, she didn't appreciate any of those uh, characterizations nearly as much as. She really liked Satin. She was a big fan of her. Oh, yeah. The glam chick who has, like, a brick in her handbag. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I get it. I understand. Yeah, it's a little goofier than the other ones, but, I mean, they could have made the Fatal Fluffies in their transformed state, they could have made them mindless, you know, kind of grunting minions, but they didn't. They talked. (laughs) The one thing that I couldn't really remember was if those things were actually explained, and I was actually kind of hoping at one point that we were going to find out that the Fatal Fluffies were actually Cobra agents that had pissed off Cobra Commander, so (laughs) he had them experimented on, and then further experimented on by Zartan, or, you know, that that he created, that it was Zartan who managed to make them so that they were transformable, kind of like he is. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, he's got that He's got the mutant power of the chameleon. Yeah, that maybe he had mutated these transformed Cobra Troopers into these things. And that would be the reason why, you know, they could talk. Because really, like I said, my memory of this thing was foggy at best. But I didn't remember them having actual speech and actual, like, I thought they were just there. I thought they were just like...
1: There's another another way to spin it. I mean they do allude to Zartan as Sergeant Poppers. It's possible when they opened that pod they all got drugged. And that whole <laughs> sequence up there is just them imagining different things. That's possible. Hey, okay.
2: <laughs> hey, I can go with that too. I did have to I did have to laugh uh every time they show Sergeant Popper there, you know, he's sitting in the shuttle and, you know, he's following them around was there one of those nameless green shirts that he replaced and transformed himself into and that's the reason why they don't question this random sergeant popper no, dude is he there? was deep cover like,
0: he he must have been inserted uh, months before
2: yeah I was going to say is was he was he sergeant B- like because I don't well obviously he was not inside that crate when it was opened so he wasn't but I'm like, was he deep cover with the Joes for long before? Or I thought, or did he just replace the Sergeant Popper that was on the mission up until that morning before it launched? Right, um, damn,
0: man, I want a Sergeant Popper
3: action figure. I you. think
1: we're over oh. our Fatal Fluffy budget, guys.
3: <laughs> I want to weigh in just quickly like with one or two things, because I thought I'd let you guys rumble a little bit. But I I also, I I watched this again, I recapped the the first three episodes at least uh, today, and I was watching it with uh, Celia, and uh, yeah, I got to experience it again sort of for the first time with somebody who's got new eyes on it, and she quite enjoyed some of the silly jokes, but I think that's also because, you know, she's also older, so she appreciates she can appreciate what the humor is trying to do, but I mean, she enjoyed some of the like stupid stuff, like uh, Snake Eyes break dancing. She wasn't like that's cool. She was just like, my God, that's so stupid, but funny, you know, kind of thing.
2: Exactly, it's dumb entertainment. Like I said, it's stupid, but stupid's not a bad thing because if yeah. you delve the writing, it's so much more sophisticated than and I know a lot of the other cartoons that we grew up with get you know, we've got a lot of nostalgia, like the Thundercats or whatever, but uh the kids a couple years ago watched all the Thundercats and they liked it, but it didn't have all the it didn't have the brain food writing that, that this one did. Uh here's the other thing that I appreciated. The the chemistry between Bill Ratner and Mary McDonald Lewis as Flint and Lady J, man, yeah are so effortless with the way yeah. they play off of each other, I actually wonder if their real life spouses ever had to wonder about things. Because those two have they got chemistry like it's hard to capture it's that acting
0: kind of JD. Chemistry.
2: <sighs> uh, yeah,
1: but <laughs>
2: that chemistry is actually natural too and it's hard to do. I mean, look, I love the Star Wars prequels, okay? I love them, love them, love them. Hayden Christensen and Natalie Portman did not have any chemistry. Um, uh, they also did banned. not have
0: any director. But you know,
2: all right then, that's just rude. I'm not arguing. I'm just saying it's rude. <laughs> um, Both I, credible uh, actors
0: in their own rights, but they were told explicit instructions on what to do in every scene, and they were acting off no background, no foreground, no props, nothing. They were completely... spoiled. Well, anyway, I, my, my heart breaks for those two. It really is mm. a blemish on their careers.
3: I agree. <laughs> Anyways,
0: um, we're not talking about the prequels.
3: Star Wars.
2: That's for another day. Yeah. Uh, But, I mean, this is... I, I don't know. I, I, like I said, I get why Pyramid of Darkness is so low on some people's tears, but it's still well above a lot of the other schlock that we watched when we were kids. They just... I don't know. Like you said... They got this this underground workforce. They got these cobras. They live there. They they they're built under the base. It's brilliant. It's really just all right. JD, parting shot
0: then. Would you rate this higher than any of the other miniseries? Um,
2: no, but that's because I like both of the other ones this on the same level for very different reasons.
0: Hey, look, there's nothing wrong with uh finding love for the little guy. We can all acknowledge that Pyramid of Darkness is the inferior one, but it's nice that you found more credits. You've seen it through fresh eyes, you've seen some things that you like that you might have missed otherwise. We've accomplished something here is what I'm trying to say.
2: Yeah, well i have to say I don't think it's lower on the scales than the other two. It's just it's different. Um, it's very... I did actually forget, though, that this was Quick Hick's first appearance. Um, hmm. I did remember they found him in the Arctic, but again, meme.
0: Do you enjoy him absolutely handing Storm Shadow's ass to him?
2: Um, yes. I thought
0: that okay. was
3: hilarious.
2: Uh, maybe inappropriate, but hilarious. And... Uh Well, I'll tell you what, when he does those impressions, like the Cagney impression, the John Wayne impression, that shit was absolutely lost on me when I was a kid, (laughs) so I definitely appreciated it. Now, that was funny. I don't think Quick Kick is a character that I've ever really given a lot of thought to other than I always kind of thought he was just, you know, I mean, he's a kung fu guy in G.I. Joe, but I don't really think of him outside of the the escape from the gulags of Barovia arc from from the comic that's mostly what I remember him for and you know he just he wasn't very uh, he that was more of a tragic story than anything than a showcase for the character so
0: yeah yeah and then the real tragedy came in the hundreds when he gets gunned down hardcore
2: yeah but that oh well
0: okay. Wait, does he get gunned down or does he die off panel?
2: Uh yeah, he dies when the rage tank is blown up alongside nice. Crazy Legs and Breaker. Damn but man, he is the one that when they get out of that ditch that the saw viper absolutely mercilessly mowed down uh well because he shoots the, stand, the doc. Well yeah, he shoots the doc first, yeah, he shoots the yeah, crankcase heavy metal and thunder. Then they get out of the hole. Uh, Quick Kick knocks out uh, the Viper that was holding that gun, and he goes to town. He just mows down a bunch of Vipers, and, you know, he's crying and he's screaming, and then, yeah, they get on the Rage Tank, and, well, that was the last stand of Quick Kick. But, yeah, I don't know. The show kind of gave me a new appreciation for him. It, it was characterization, I guess, was just forgotten about. So, yeah, it was it was good. I still do not like Bazooka. This thing can give me a new appreciation for Shipwreck, but not Bazooka. He still sucks. Um, He's still basically Lenny from Of Mice and Men, and nobody's going to
3: change my mind on that.
2: If he didn't have uh, Alpine there to uh, guide him through life, uh, the guy would have blown himself up a long time ago.
3: I still think it's great that they give him a jetpack, is what I'm saying, (laughs) in the beginning of the, the miniseries. Seems like a but, terrible idea to give him a jetpack. That's like, give me a jetpack. That's a terrible idea. Huh, duly noted. I got to say, I, I actually find quite a bit more appreciation for this miniseries watching it today. I don't know why. Today, it just clicked with me. It resonated. I, it kind of made me realize that a lot of my favorite things in the Sunbow Joe series actually come from Pyramid of Darkness. Like a lot of the tropes and whatever that would make me love the, the, the cartoon. Of yes. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Starflies. When I rewatched it last week, I think that was it. I don't think it's so much, it's way better than I remembered so much as, I think it just gave me a new appreciation for the things I already liked. And it did, it cemented why there were some things that I had always thought of as being iconic with Joe, that, yeah, I think it kind of came from there, like Dusty's ability to sing his way out of uh, terrible situations.
3: Lowest moment in the episode for me, by the way. Hate that. Yeah,
2: but I was amused. It was terrible. It was painful. It was supposed to be. No, that's great. I love that.
0: Guys, so Uh, many signature moments. Oh my goodness! That
2: I did again the yodeling.
3: Cobra that got away.
2: (laughs) Um, I did not remember the yodeling at all, and I laughed and laughed. I'm like, this is ridiculous. I love it. So yeah, I mean, okay, yeah, it might be a little inferior to the other two, but I don't know, still great. Uh, I would,
0: I would say the other three. I mean,
2: uh,
0: Arise, Suppento, Arise. I would also class as a
2: miniseries. Well, no, that is, but I'm not counting it for two reasons. First of all, because it's not part of the original miniseries run. It came uh, at the front of a shortened. Uh, final season for Joe with 86, but I'm also not counting that because that is my favorite, even growing up, that was my favorite piece of G.I. Joe media ever, like it's my favorite mini series, it's my favorite series of the cartoons, even the individual episodes rank among some of my favorites, so I'm so biased in favor of that one that I can't see it, uh with then that is our next episode
0: jd my man 269 will you be around will the world still be standing find
2: out in only 100 episodes time as i say if the world is still around well hopefully i will be so i can talk about it too yeah i love arrive serpent i can't i can't be neutral so it's just so far above the rest of it but yeah this thing Again, it might not be as good as Rise, Friend, or Rise if you want to go there, but yeah, still classic. And still better than a lot of the individual episodes, like Bazooka Saw Sea Serpent.
1: Cooch, um. <laughs> are you still there, buddy? I am. I'm just letting JD just wash over me. The <laughs> East Coast. Any survivors out there? Just take
0: it in. Take it in, Cooch. I think you've been rinsed clean, man. Hit us with the community, brother.
1: Yeah, let me spin a little bit of community just out the door. Speaking on the cartoon, there's a nice intersection with the black book and what's on Joe Mind. I just chatted up uh, Mike and Rob the other night on Rack Time. I think that's going to drop in May. What is Rack Time? You, sir, are out of line. I've never heard of is in the "What's on Joe Mind" podcast feed, where they chat up comics, they're both deep in the game, so they have insightful words. I'll, I'll, I'll sling it your way, JD. I'll
2: be rude and say I didn't realize they were still making a podcast.
1: <laughs> well, um, let, um, oh, let, ah, ah, whoops. Let us make you aware. And honestly, anybody in Joe Media right now, keep up with your network. What, do, what are you thinking? You think you got network for days? No, you got GI Joe, baby. Let's see. No, we talked about the black book, and I'll say this. They didn't even, or they didn't catch who the two, the sniper and the sandman were, uh, as far as Cobra figures. So I'll lay, I'll lay one more layer on you guys for the next read through. Uh, and this has to do with the cartoon, the episode Skeletons in the Closet, Destro's Basement. Remember that one eyed tentacle creature? Put it on the ceiling. And, uh, I think he might have a different look at the tower. One more one more bit about that in the episode, Skeletons in the Closet," that happens on winter solstice. I believe Cujo says this world is a Christmas turkey. I don't think that's an accident. Well,
3: you wrote it. you know.
1: <laughs> yeah, so cheers, guys that was uh, that was a great chat, and uh let's see. as far as community goes, I don't know what do you got you got anything, Paul? Anything coming off of uh, insta?
3: i haven't got anything coming off insta although insta has been quite alive i will say that i did enjoy steven's sorry steve like but i did enjoy your most recent post uh with you and kim uh with your your girlfriend or in your case your wife uh going through all the toys uh that was great uh celia and i watched that this morning sorry that it all sounds like celia and i did this but i mean we did and uh, that was cool. And then, Cody, I am going to take in your massive uh, motion picture-sized uh, offering to the channel. And if you guys don't know what I'm talking about, uh, there is a very, very cool episode uh, called The Secret the secret Device. Why do I keep saying? Secret Machine. Secret Machine, thank you. Sorry, I don't know why I said device. I think it's because i got mass device in my head now. Um, but yeah, The Secret Machine has been unleashed on YouTube. And yeah, so there's lots of cool stuff happening. Uh,
2: I haven't gotten to watch that yet, but I'm gonna watch that today.
0: It's pretty riveting stuff, man. Cody has got a great grasp of character. Even the throwaway lines are gold. So a true Joe fan will get a lot out of it.
2: Yeah, Joe Berg videos. You guys do with the with the with the toys and the voices. They're always riveting. So yeah. I mean, they're really—I don't know—it's it, it, a level above a lot of the videos that that I see people make. Uh, you know, that that are basically toys making the toys talk and move. But yeah, the Jo maybe it's because I'm biased because of the Joe thing. It's just there's nothing else like it. But it's yeah, it, it's good stuff. Yeah. Just Agreed. Got- I
0: think you will be pleasantly surprised by this one in particular, and coming in at just under an hour long. You can definitely chow some popcorn and uh, drink down a beverage uh, during that runtime. So it's a nice, substantial adventure. Cody's been working on it for a good chunk of time, and all the hard work shows. It's it's a really loving presentation.
2: Tell Cody that uh, it's appreciated, because there's, there's a lot of Joe content that I take in on YouTube that is, well, not my favorite, but yeah, G.I. Joe Berg, yeah, it always produces that kind of entertainment for me. So, yeah, tell Cody good work
3: in advance. Nice. And then uh one other thing I got to announce is Greg and his wife Natalie did a great Facebook live chat. Um I don't know how to get my hands on that to to rewatch it. But uh he also quizzed her on on some GI Joe stuff, which was quite which was actually quite sweet and really it was actually a really interesting episode and she actually well, she offered some great insight and some uh, some interesting opinions. So yeah, so that's another uh, GI Joe. That's what she said. Episode to look out for. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a more uh, catchy
2: title than mine. Nice. Hey, I was enjoying that one too, uh, Greg. And as well, I was enjoying that too. That's yeah, that's good stuff. Hmm.
0: Thanks for running with that, Greg. That was great, man.
2: Uh, you know, it's nice to see outsiders. You know, outside just the collectors like we are, uh, but but the significant others and the kids to get their insights on stuff. It's it's always interesting to me
3: hmm agreed
0: if anyone wants to shoot something like that where they put a bunch of toys out in front of their significant others we'd be happy to host it on any of the gi Book platforms youtube facebook whatever just i would hesitate that um let's keep it under half an hour uh 15 minutes would be even better uh yeah. i know i kind of spun a little bit too long with kim I'm going to bring that down in future videos. But, uh, yeah, it's all about, like, just getting through it, you know? Get those first impressions and then move on. I think it's important to keep things as exciting as possible and, uh, yeah, pace it.
2: That is what makes me wish that I had a significant other. Um,
0: So you could quiz her on the show. It's not too late to find love, J.D. No, huh?
2: oh, yeah, eventually. But there is no love in the form of quarantine, for one. And uh, for two... I can think of very few reasons that uh, I miss having a significant other, but hey, this is one of them. I uh, I mean, I, I could show the, the toys to all the kids, but yeah. I already tried. I, when I was watching Pyramid of Darkness, my daughter was in the room. Well, my son was in the room for some of it, but he absolutely hated it. But I don't know <laughs> if it's because I usurped the TV to watch G.I. Joe instead of letting him have the run of it, or if it's just because he just doesn't care. Uh He watches YouTube for video game stuff. He doesn't have any use for it for cartoon stuff, so maybe, but I told him when I was his exact age, he's seven right now. I was seven when G.I. Joe the movie came on uh TV for the first time, and I was all about it, and my, my own kid. Yeah, he likes the toys. He doesn't care about the cartoon, so I got a daughter who loves it. I got a son who, eh, he's not so crazy about it, so can win them all. Parenting victory, though, you know.
0: Yeah, that's what it's all about, man. Still, I'd be interested to hear their opinions if you ever manage to get them uh, in front of a camera. I don't know how you
2: feel about that, but uh, kids say the darndest things. Also, oh, no. if they would get in front of the camera, I'd be I'd be, I'd be all for it. Um, even when we play D&D over Zoom, uh, I can get my son to pop on just to say hi, but he mostly just stares at the camera like, uh-uh. So
0: (laughs) (laughs) fair enough. Yeah, man, let him run free.
2: Now my daughter has no problem getting on the phone to talk to you guys, but I don't know if she'd, I don't know if she'd want to do it on camera, but I could be wrong. I could try it. I could ask her. So
0: Jay, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Once again, my man, it makes my life a lot easier because uh, you can wax lyrical about GI Joe. Like no one else I know. And I know people what can wax lyrical about GI Joe.
2: No, no, this is the reason why I'm only allowed on the podcast once a year, because um, (laughs) I use up all of your time for the entire year. (laughs) Oh,
1: buddy,
0: I've never heard any listener complain. You're a much-loved energy to have on the show, and we can do this certainly more than once a year. Damn, brother. You calling
2: us out? Anytime you guys want me on, I'm up for it. I just, you know, sorry to when it actually starts, and he's like, fuck, he's on again
0: fuck this guy <laughs> well dude as i say it's uh it's great fun for me to have you on because i can just take a back seat and let the the wisdom just erupt <laughs> from this <laughs> avalanche this font of, of, of knowledge paul and cooch you guys got anything to say on this on the walk away
3: yeah i hope um i hope that rob has managed to find cigarettes and that he has won the great uh cigarette and whiskey wars of 2020 uh i had somebody on our patreon message me just to send us some love uh i like to keep the patreons fairly um anonymous uh when it comes to the podcast but he did actually uh ask if uh if rob is reliving road warrior (laughs) with the he hopes rob's okay and not uh, reliving scenes from from mad max from road warrior um so like shame. So like Rob, there's some love for you, man. I don't know if you listen to these episodes, but uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm actually very excited to see how Rob is doing. Um, but other than that, man, yeah, no nothing else. Just uh, the usual. Stay safe. Be cool. Be cool to each other. Keep the Joe flame alive. Uh, I will say, I hope this virus thing doesn't lead to something far
2: worse. Um, you know, because uh, I don't think the world is ready to end yet. And uh, I keep, I keep seeing these memes about. January and February and March all sucking and then April being the big suck and they're like, Oh, what's next in May? And then I saw a cartoon where somebody where somebody uh, uh drew a Cthulhu and I'm like, Oh fuck. <laughs> uh, I hope not. But uh, we're in a uh, the world's in an oddly precarious place right now and it's unsettling.
3: Yeah, don't watch Bird Box. If you haven't seen Bird Box yet, just wait until COVID is done before you watch that movie. It's uh it- it's not the feel-good film of 2020, is all I'm saying. <laughs> hey, no, I've steered clear of that one. I don't need to be completely freaked
2: out like that. Uh-uh. No, mm Nope, nope. I watched The Quiet Place, and it was great, but I'm like, oh, fuck. I'm not, li- I'm not ready to live in a world like that. I even made a joke to my friend that, you know, the body. Did you watch The Walking Dead, the first episode when Rick gets out of the hospital? He's stepping over those bodies. I'm like, oh, you
3: mean the only episode worth watching? Yeah. Yes.
2: I did. Yeah, I'm not ready for a world, uh, a bird
1: box type world yet. So, mm. yeah.
2: Cooch, cool.
0: Please lighten the mood, my brother.
1: <laughs> Enough said. I think yeah. we're gonna be just fine. No, no need to call in the uh, eco warriors just yet. Yeah, cheers, JD. Stay strong, brother. The East Coast, what have you, and you guys too down in the uh, outer ring or southern hemisphere. Cheers. Boom. Thanks, Cooch
0: and to people out there who are currently facing really hard times because of this shit we are here we are still putting out episodes we are still having these conversations i hope we've given you maybe a little bit of a refuge uh, even if it's just for a little while
2: yeah i know a lot of situations are worse than mine and ours as a collective but mm-hmm. yeah i kind of hope we can entertain at least
0: yep we are doing this. We will continue to do this in the face of insurmountable adversity because that's what G.I. Joe means to us. It is our escape. It is our refuge. It is our passion. G.I. Joe keeps trucking on, boys. Hey!
1: Yo,
2: Joe. Yo, Joe! Yo, Joe! Yeah. <laughs> Yo Joe.